0: Turn around and wave at somebody before you sit down. There you go. Be seated in the presence of the Lord this morning. I'm excited this morning. God has given me a word and the the motivation for this word is based on the need that exists in this world and the, the things that as Christians we should be about our Father's business. Uh, My opening scripture this morning, if you want to go ahead and start turning there, it's going to be at the Gospel of John chapter 10, verse 10. John chapter 10, verse 10. I'm so excited about the work that Jesus is doing. I'm so excited about the people that are finding their way to the Lord. I'm so excited about the revival that God is beginning to pour out upon this nation to conquer what the enemy's trying to do. He's pouring His Spirit out on men and women everywhere, and He's he's ready to put some things right. I believe, as many of you believe, that we are in the last days of the last days. I believe that Jesus is coming back soon. And, And there's so many people that are lost, and I want to explain that to you this morning, what we can do to help fix that. But in John 10.10 it says, The thief, this is Satan, cometh not but for to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus, this is Jesus talking, it's red letter. He says, I am come that they might have life and have it more abundantly or in the fullest measure. Satan wants to tear people down. Satan wants to tear the church apart. Satan wants to destroy Christians' witnesses. He wants to throw junk in our paths to keep us from serving God. Or if He can't keep us from serving God, He wants to make us miserable. He don't want us to experience that inner peace and that joy that we sing about. He don't want us to have peace of mind. He wants us to to, to lay down at night and not be able to go to sleep, to have the cares of the world upon us. But Jesus said, I come to give you life more abundantly. I want you to have the best possible life you can. That's not to say we won't have struggles, but he'll be there with us to carry us through those struggles. But Satan, he playing out, just wants to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to steal your joy. He wants to steal your kids from you. He wants to tear down anything in your life. He wants to get a hold of your finances and ruin your finances. He wants you to have plenty of stuff to worry about. That's what the enemy's business is. And if we look around, he's got a lot of people convinced that church is not worthwhile anymore. He's lied to people and said, you don't need church. You can serve God at home from the comfort of your couch and watch church on TV. There's a lot of people like that. But why would his word say to not forsake the assembling of yourselves together if it wasn't important? Today, I want to share with you that I titled this message, Close the Gap. How many of you, anybody ever been to London, England? You've been to London, England? Did you ride the subway, the tube? Did you get tired of hearing this, the words, closed, uh, bind the gap? When you ride the subway in London, England, they constantly are saying, "bind the gap, bind the gap. What they're saying is, be careful getting on that train because there's gaps. There's gaps and there's been a lot of people that have been killed on the uh, underground tube, the London subway system, they call it the tube. There's been a lot of people killed because they fall into that gap. Folks, how many knows there's a gap that exists today between what God intended and what actually exists? And there's a lot of people because they fell into that gap that are going to spend eternity separated from God. And it's worse than falling under because it's nasty looking, Robin, The smell in, those, in that subway station, you can, you can smell the burnt oil, diesel, whatever, and, and the smoke is littered everything, and you can see that deep, dark, black, nasty place. Well, people that fall into the gap that exists between being right with God and being separated from God, they're going to fall into a deep, dark place. And they're going to be there for eternity. I want to talk to you today about closing the gap. Bear with me. I'm going to preach from Genesis to Revelation. Let's start in Genesis. Genesis 1. In the beginning. Let's go to Genesis 1, verse 26.
1: Genesis 1, verse 26. Talking about the creation in the, in the seven days when God
0: created the earth. Verse 26 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea. Over the birds of the air and over the cattle. Over all the earth. Over every creeping thing that creeps on this earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God. He created him male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea. Over the birds of the air. And over every living thing that moves on the earth. All right. So right here in the beginning of the Word, God has created the, 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 the world. He creates man. He creates woman. He, he has uh, given man dominion over the earth. We're supposed to be in charge of the earth. We're supposed to be taking care of the At this point, there was no gap. No gap. God set it up. Men and, man and woman have been created. They're, they, they have dominion. They're, they're there to
1: dress the Garden of Eden. Everything is as it should be. If nothing had changed today, you and I, we would have perfect eternal bodies already. There would
0: be no gap. We would not have to experience death. It would be perfect. But something happened to create that gap, didn't it? And yeah, and I'm sure you've heard the story. Genesis 2, verse 16. God just to ask one thing of them. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day
1: that you eat of it you shall surely die. Only one thing God asked of them. And it must have been for their own good. You will die if you eat of this one tree. Still no gap. Be in obedience, but then flip over to chapter 3, verse 1.
0: Here's when the liar that I mentioned up front in 10.10, the one that's at war with God, the one that fell from God's grace is Satan, Lucifer. It says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field. This is Genesis 3.1. Which the Lord God had made, and He said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, and made themselves coverings, and they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord called to Adam and said, Where are you? So he said, I heard your, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of
1: which I commanded you that you should not eat? This one act of disobedience. They didn't think of it on their own, did they? That God had told them don't eat of it? They were happy with that. They were content. They
0: were obeying. They they were loving life. They were at peace with God. Everything was going well. They didn't even question it. But the enemy come along, Satan come along and tempted them and he lies right up front. God, you will not surely die. Why in the world would she think this serpent knew more than God Almighty who created them and gave them this great place to live and gave them, gave them this, this, this peace in their heart and dominion of this whole garden? They should have had, she should have had dominion over that serpent. Why did she believe him? I don't know. Why do people today believe the lies of the devil when they come at them? Why do we believe it when, when, when the devil twists Scripture around? That's exactly what the devil did there. Did he say, you would surely die? Did God really say? He tried to get them to doubt what God said. The devil still does that today. He will try to twist in your mind what God's Word says. He will try to get you off center and off the truth and try to convince you to stray from what God said. This gap that was created, we're all born into this world under this gap, the curse of sin that was brought into the world because they listened to a serpent. It was under the control of Lucifer, Satan. There's where the gap came into this world. Perfectness was in Genesis. Now we've got this gap. Man becomes separated from God. They're expelled. As you know, they expel man and woman from... uh, God expels them. I say they, okay, the Holy Spirit, God, and Jesus, the Trinity that we believe in. They, they were expelled from the Garden of Eden by the Godhead. Go. You've been disobedient. Then they also would have to suffer uh, life. They lost, I believe, prior to this point, that man and woman would have had eternal life, would not have had to go through death, as our bodies are now and as we do now. So why, if
1: they had everything so good, why would they let that go
0: in? But, but the same thing today. I mean, I mean we, we can't understand. Has anyone ever really tried to figure out why Adam and Eve fell when they had it so good? Why they let a, a, a serpent's not even a pretty animal. Maybe if it had been a pretty white-tailed deer or
1: something, I might understand it. But why would they listen to an ugly old serpent? Why would they question God? It was trickery. But it was due because the serpent, the devil,
0: twisted God's Word. And when you're not sure of God's Word or when you let someone get you to begin to question what God's Word says, and usually that someone is either the devil or somebody that's under his control that will try to get you to question we got to be true to what this Word says. That gap was created Because these first human beings that God created questioned God and they did it because they let the devil convince them and start to doubt and question God. It's a sad place when we get in a position of questioning God. It is quite clear that His ways are not like our ways. We understand that. We have all at some time or another went through situations where we didn't totally
1: understand it, and and maybe it hurt us, and maybe God didn't do something the way we would have done something. But when we begin to question His Word,
0: we're on a slippery slope. We're in a position where we could end up falling in that gap. We could end up slipping into that gap that we talked about.
1: But God has a
0: plan, and he began to reveal it.
1: Uh, He mentions how the woman is going to bruise the serpent's head. Turn over to Revelation 20.10. That same serpent, that same serpent that caused man to
0: fall. It caused that gap that exists between man and God before they are bridged. We're going to talk about how to get
1: bridged back to God in a minute. But Revelation 20 and verse 10. 20 and verse 10 says, The devil who deceived
0: them, talking about the initial deception and all deception that's come since was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. So the devil's going to get his for what he started in the garden of Eden and all the havoc the devil that Satan has been wrecking on this world. He's going to get what's coming to him. So if we believe the entire word of the Bible, we believe from the first, he's the one called sin we see in the last part of the Bible in Revelation, that he's going to get his due. And he knows that, but he's still lying. He's still cheating. He's still stealing. And he's trying to take as many of God's people with him to hell as he can. And sad that so many even well-meaning Christians will listen to those lies. And he, he's pretty clever. People say the devil's stupid. Don't ever say the devil's stupid. He's been around for thousands of years. We've been around, all of us in this room, less than a hundred years. Okay? So, in proportion, we've not been around to learn every trick of the trade, so to speak. He's been around for centuries, thousands of years. Look at at the the havoc he wrecked on Job. I've been studying Job. We're we're going through a Bible study of Job right now. And, And the havoc that the devil wrecked on Job. He's going to get what's coming to him. But it seems like such a long time. There's a, there's a big span of time from the initial uh, deception that he caused and the, the, the great falling away that he caused when, when he caused the, the man and woman to disobey God and, and, and the sin. And look at all the stuff that he's wrecked. Folks, I don't think we're all that far away from Revelation 20. I think one of these days, the devil's going to get to what's coming to him. But here's the problem. Turn to John 3.16. Here's the solution to the problem, I should say. John 3.16. You could probably quote it without reading it. Probably the the most important scriptural verse that that we learned. probably most of us, it was the first scripture we really memorized when we were were young kids. But John 3.16, word for word, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. That right there is the solution to closing that gap between separated man from God and eternity spent with the devil in 2010. But here's here's the sad part though. Here's the sad part though. If you turn over... Uh, and, there, and there's lots of other scriptures. Let me, let me go ahead and give you the rest of the scriptures that relate to salvation. We've got to believe in Jesus. Romans 3.10 says, No one is righteous, not even one, because we're born into unrighteousness because of the original sin. Romans 3.23 says, We've all sinned, come short of God's glory. 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life, through Christ our Lord. John 3.6 says, Whosoever that believes, shall have eternal life. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's a pretty simple message of salvation. Now there's there's some pretty slick preachers out there that that preach some some pretty uh, thought-provoking messages in that, but if they're not preaching salvation through Jesus Christ, you're not getting the, the meat of what you need. That's the fix to the gap. That's how we bridge that gap between the lost and the saved. That's how we get back to God is through Jesus Christ. He bridges that gap. He
1: closes that gap. All right, so so stay with me. But read Revelation 2015. Let's flip back to Revelation. Revelation 2015. Revelation 2015. And anyone not found written in the book of life
0: was cast into the lake of fire. And in the King James Version, just like I read a while ago, it said in John 3:16, "Whosoever believes in Jesus will be saved." In the King James Version, this verse says, "And who, whoever was not found written in the book, whosoever was not found written in the book of the life." was cast into the lake of fire and lost for eternity. You see the whosoever in John 3.16, you see the whosoever in Revelation 20.15. Same whosoever. The whosoever that believes on Jesus is saved. The whosoever who is not found written in the book of the life because your name gets written in the book of the life when you're the whosoever that believes in Jesus. But if you're the whosoever, your name's not found written in the book of life, it's because you weren't the whosoever of John 3.16. If you're the whosoever of John 3.16, you've made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, then you're not going to be that whosoever in Revelation 20.15 being cast into the the lake of fire with the devil who's going to get his due reward for causing this gap in the first place. All right, Brother Wally, you've explained it to us. We've heard most of this before. Most of you, this is not new. What do we do about it? We've got to close that gap. If we're children of God and we're the whosoever of John 3.16 and, and and we want to, to decrease the number of people in 2015 of Revelation, to whosoever is going to be conder- condemned eternally to hell with the devil, we've got to be about our Father's business. We've got to be telling them what this Word says. We've got to be out there trying to close that gap. We've got to be... Fulfilling that great commission in Matthew 2818 20, 28-19 where we're supposed to, to go and make disciples of all men and share the gospel with them. That's each and every one of us's job. We should be trying to close that gap. Because here's the sad thing. Many of us got very dear friends or relatives that right now if they died today, they're going to fall in that gap. And they're going to spend eternity separated from God. We all know good friends and people like it's up to us to close the gap because at their stage they're in, if they're living in sin and they're separated from God, if, if people like us that have been reunited to God, if we're the whosoever that's reunited with God, if we would would, would, would get that burden back in our hearts for lost souls and we would begin to, to, to cry out to God and pray for their souls and intercede for their souls and, and pray against the things that have them bound up, the sin that's, that's got them, The sin that so easily beseeches you. Paul talks about the things that are tripping you up and keeping you from moving on with God. We're the whosoever that knows Jesus Christ. We're the whosoever that can save the whosoever in Revelation 2015 by getting the truth to them and and letting them make a decision. A lot of people hadn't even heard the gospel. People say, well, it's hard to believe someone in America hadn't heard the gospel and used to. I would say that was true. Because this used to be such a Christian nation. We had such a strong base of people that were in church and trying to live for the Lord that was sharing these messages. We all, most of us probably had grandmas and mamas that that, that shared the word for us and, and were church people. But today there are people, their parents have never been to church. Their parents, it's a whole different society in our country today. And we're not supposed to that that, that tasking in Matthew 20:19. It's We're supposed to go into all the world. Many of us, we can't travel around the world, but we can send missionaries, and we can pray and support missionaries. That's how we reach the uttermost parts of the world to fulfill the Great Commission of Matthew 28, 19. But what about right now? Our Jerusalem is wherever we're at. And y'all have heard me say this before. We need to be helping close that gap I've got a lot of family members and friends that right now, if they die tonight, I believe based on their lifestyle. I'm not trying to judge them. I'm just saying, based on what the Word of God says we're supposed to be living like and what I see them living like, I'm not trying to be a fruit inspector, but I'm not seeing much fruit. Or if I'm seeing fruit, it's rotten fruit. Galatians chapter 5 talks about fruit of the Spirit. It also talks about stuff that I call rotten fruit. It shows that you're not living That's another message for another whole day. But what I'm I'm trying to tell you is this gap exists. We know it exists. We know that we have the answer. We know that we have friends and loved ones that are going to be condemned to hell. We know the truth. Are we sharing the truth? John 14, 6,
1: Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Mark 11, 23. Mark 11, 23. Stay
0: with me. I'm moving past the gap between the lost and the saved. These gaps right here exist within Christians. That may be the reason that a lot of us aren't as fired up as we should be about seeing the lost saved. Maybe we got some gaps in our own life. I don't know. But Mark 11, 23 and 24 says, For assuredly I say to you, whosoever, ooh, there's that, whosoever again, says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he asks will be done. He will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, Believe that you received them and you will have them. It's talking about faith. It's talking about walking in fullness with God. It's talking about living in victory. Not just salvation. Not just the whosoever that needs to be saved. We need to close that gap. But some of us got gaps in our lives. Some of us are not living in true victory as much as we could be. Some of us, we often let the liar of John 10.10, 10, the devil we often let Him steal our joy. We often let Him uh, get us so busy that we can't walk in victory. He get us to the point where we begin to let our faith waver a little bit. We need to be walking in victory. The Word says we're the head and not the tail. We're supposed to be walking above what the world's walking in. A lot of times today, the reason people don't want to come to church that are lost, because when they look at the church, they don't see the church any better off than they are. They see a gap. They see that we're not necessarily walking in victory. Folks, we are to be the happiest people on earth. We We should be walking in joy. We've got eternity before us in a secure place. We're the whosoever that's going to have everlasting life in paradise versus the whosoever that's lost. But we should be helping close the gap with them. But if we're not living life to the fullest right now, walking in victory, walking in faith, believing God's Word and seeing our prayers answered and seeing results from our lives, in our lives, and, and prayers answered and, and things happen. We should be walking in victory. The world shouldn't be affecting us. I'm not saying they're going to quit trying, but the devil's going to increase his game against you the more you walk in faith. The more you start having victory, the more Satan's going to try to attack you. But I'm not going to sit around and live a mediocre life and not try to have victory just because I don't want the devil attacking me. Because the Jesus I serve told me He would go with me till the end. He told me He'd never leave me nor forsake me, but He would get me through this thing called life. He would assure that I could walk in victory. But we've got that thing called a free will, right? You've all heard of the free will. And so many times, the reason we're not living in victory is because we let our will get beat down, and usually it's through the lies of the devil. Now, y'all know I'm going to get beat up all week. Satan's going to be attacking me all week because I'm exposing him today. So y'all say an extra prayer for me this next week because he's going to attack me for for, for saying this to y'all today. Because many people probably hadn't stopped and thought about it like I'm presenting it to you today. We've got, many Christians have a gap in their life between walking in victory and just being that meek-mannered, mild little Christian. There's a gap. Because God says we should walk in victory but we can't do it on our own. I don't want to just tell you the problem without giving you a solution. There is a solution. The very first thing to close the gap, we have to have Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, right? We all know that. That's how we we close it. But to get into that prosperity net, we've got to do what God's Word says. If we want to walk in forgiveness, we've got to walk in love. And probably two of the gaps, two of the things that causes people to not walk in prosperity or walk in God's blessings. It's usually because they're not walking in true love. They're harboring unforgiveness. Or they're not following God's word. And there's, you know, God's word is not, it's full of more do's than it is don'ts. But the basic thing, the Ten Commandments, and if you're loving God with all your heart and trying to do what's pleasing, you're not going to be out there breaking the Ten Commandments on a regular basis. Not if you're truly seeking to love and please God and learn what His Word says and follow it and don't question His Word and twist it up like the devil. But see, that's what the devil's going to try to do to you, to throw you off the key. We've got to stay focused on what His Word says. That's why it's important to, to be in church and to be in Bible study and, and to be around fellow believers and, and to get into this Word and understand it. Then you'll know what you're supposed to do. We all know the basics. We're supposed to be good moral people, right? I don't have to devise a a five-page document for you to look at to say, oh, that's what a Christian is. I'll preach the Word, and the Word will have its effect on you. Or we'll teach the Word in our Sunday school classes or our Wednesday night Bible studies and we learn how to live as Christians. God don't expect you to be perfect overnight. He cleans your heart, and then He begins to grow you. And you begin to mature in Him and you go from being that baby Christian that just has the milk of the Word of salvation and you go into the meat of the Word where you walk in victory. Amen? But we've, but we've got to make that commitment to do that and, and sometimes we need, we need more help. But some of the things that are causing people not to fail are causing people to fail, not to succeed in walking in victory is, as far as being prosperous and, and, and being able to to have all the good things God promises. And I'm not a prosperity preacher like, like some are that just preach, preach that all the time. But God does want us to have all we need and He wants us to have overflow so we can help others. God will bless you as much as you'll let Him bless you. But a lot of people are blocking their blessings because they're not walking in obedience to His Word. And one of the, the most simple truths, and I'm not here to preach, I'm, I don't want to preach on tithing, we don't have a problem with money in the church, we're doing fine. I'm just telling you though, if you're not following God's word about tithing to 10%, you are tying his hands on prospering and blessing. I'm not here to preach. I'm not trying to offend anyone. People, people get all mad at the preacher when he preaches on money sometimes. God doesn't need your money as bad as you need God's blessing upon your life. God is going to take care of his church no matter what. But there are people out there that that are not following God's rules on, and it's all through the Old Testament. Abraham tithed, Moses tithed. Uh, I mean, it's all through the Old Testament, and New. Ten percent goes to God. What you show God when you when you when you stand up and tithe, God, I trust you to take care of me. I believe you're going to walk me through that. Your Word says I should give my ten percent. I trust you that with my ninety percent that you let me keep. It's all his anyway, right? We all know that. He, everything's God's anyway. But I trust you. I'm going to give this 10% because I trust you and, and, and have faith in you that you're going to take care of me. And when you begin to do that, and then some people get radical and, and, and go beyond the 10% and give missionary offers and, 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 and maybe love offerings to brothers and sisters in needs, and, and, and maybe they donate to worthwhile causes like, like charities that are helping kids with cancer and things like that. There's a lot of good causes to give to, but you can't give to all of them or you won't have anything left. We understand that. But if you ever get to the point where you realize that it's God, it's all God's, and that I trust God to take care of it, you'll you'll be that radical giver. The 90% won't, living on 90% won't be a problem to you. It may be tough at first. You may have to ease into it. I, I agree. You may have to ease into it. But the Word says in Malachi chapter 3, if you're not, you're stealing from God. In John 10.10, 10, that's the devil that steals, kills, and destroys. So if you're stealing from God, you're probably blocking your blessings. Amen? People don't like to hear that, but think about it. That's, that's the way it is. So, and again, maybe, maybe you're in a hard spot in that. I understand that. Start out small. Work your way up to the 10% as quick as you can. But God will see your heart and He'll, He'll, He'll help you do that. There's too many people tipping God instead of tithing God. And I'm not just... I'm not telling you that we're not in any trouble we, because we got probably the vast majority of our people do tithe at this church. And we thank you for your faithfulness.
1: The second reason... Let's talk about sin living a sin-free life and spiritual growth.
0: If you're walking in victory, sin is not constantly a part of your life. For the most part, you live in sin-free. You're not constantly having to ask God to forgive you for the same thing over and over. You're walking in victory, living a sin-free life, and you are growing spiritually where you understand the deeper things of God. Salvation is the most basic message of God's Word, for reuniting man to Him, closing that gap. But as you close that gap and become strong Christians, then you help worldwide, humanity worldwide, you help close the gap that exists. How many know there's probably a lot more people going to hell than there is heaven? What does Jesus say? Straight is the way, and narrow is the gate, broad is the path to destruction. There are many people that are on that broad path doing whatever makes them feel good and and, and they they try to get uh, governments at at different levels to approve laws that allow them to do whatever they feel like doing in their flesh. And just because the, the government makes a law that says it's okay, God's word is eternal. The government don't trump God's word. We're supposed to
1: obey the law of the land until it trumps. Until it starts trying to say something different than God's word. People aren't growing and walking in the bigger things of God
0: because they stay away from hearing the word.
1: Flip, flip over to Mark chapter 5. Flip backwards to Mark 5. You should have been in Mark 11. Flip back to Mark 5. This is the third thing, healing.
0: Starting in verse 21. Now when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, that she may be healed, and she will live. So Jesus went with him and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for twelve years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment for she had said in her mind, If only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus immediately, knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? But the disciples said to him, You see the multitude thronging you and you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. While he was still speaking, some came came from the ruler of the synagogue's house and said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the master any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word, he said uh, to the ruler of the synagogue, don't be afraid, only believe. And he, and he goes on to the house and he heals that little girl. He had just healed the, 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 the demon-possessed man. He had just delivered the, the, the man in, in, in gatherings of the demons. He healed this woman of her issue of blood. And then he goes on and he finishes the job. He was interrupted briefly by the crowds and the woman. He goes on and he walks in the room with them and he heals this little girl as well why are so many people walking around today in sickness? This should should be number three on the screen. Flip it one more time, Caleb.
1: Why are so many people falling short of the victory in terms of healing?
0: First, you've got to believe it's God's will to be healed, right? There's a lie out there that, again, came from the devil. That somehow or another, you... You bring glory to God if you suffer through your afflictions faithfully. How many have heard people that? I've heard people's testimonies. Oh, this, this arthritis has really bothered me this week. Praise God. Don't even put those two, two, two thoughts in the same sentence. God don't get any glory by you being sick, does He? God doesn't get any glory at all. You saw the faith of the ruler. The ruler expressed his faith, the woman, just the faith that she had of touching. And we're going to there's many, many more sermons. we'll talk about faith, and I'm not saying you don't have faith if you ain't been healed. I'm not saying that. I'm saying God may, God, God's timing may not be your timing, but it may happen one day. God does not desire any of us to be walking in misery. Where does sickness come from? It don't come from God. Remember the story of Job? God pulled his edge of protection off of Job. Satan is the one that smoked Job with the sicknesses. That's where it comes from. Because the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy and make that gap between God and man as wide as he can because he wants to fill hell up because he knows that's where he's going. And he wants to take as many of us with him as he can. He especially works on the Christian that is trying to serve God. And if you're the kind of Christian that ain't digging in real deep, he's going to pull you away or he's going to keep you weak where you're no threat to him. If you're not feeling Satan attacking you, it's because you're not a threat to him. I've said that many times. before, Brother Wally, I just don't want to go through all that torment. I just want to sit on this pew saved, and make it into glory, praise God. But that ain't what God created us to do. is He created us and saved us so that we could help others be victorious. But we've got to close this gap in our own lives as Christians. We need to close these gaps. We need to make sure we're receiving the fullness of God's prosperity and blessing. Work in line with what His Word says. Forgiving others, loving others, the things I talked about, tithing, all those kind of things. We need to be seeking to grow I'm not saying you're not ever going to sin again just because you get saved. Everybody knows sometimes you've got to go back and ask for forgiveness. But if you're constantly having to ask for the same thing, you're constantly having to confess the same particular sin over and over, there's a problem with this thing right here. You're not growing. You're not getting something. So, so you need to, to dig deeper in the Word. It may be you're not getting exposed to the Word anymore. You need to have that spiritual growth. The fancy word for that is becoming sanctified. Okay?
1: We've, we've heard that word before. Last thing. Let's go to the last main point. Here's the however. I
0: told you the, the whoever, the whoever that's separated, the whoever that, that needs to, to narrow the gap that sometimes exists, they're not walking in God's fullness but the way we do this is through the power of the Holy Spirit. We can't do this on our own. No one can be saved unless the Spirit draws them to God, right? Y'all heard that said many times. We can't do it on our own. It's, up to, it's not by our might nor our power. Zechariah 4.6 it's, it's not by might nor power, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord. The power of the Holy Ghost is what's missing in most people's lives today. That's why so many Christians are stumbling They're not letting the power of the Holy Spirit guide and direct Him. He's the one. The Holy Spirit's the one that draws us to God to begin with. He's the one that causes us to go from glory to glory and to grow in the Lord. He's the one that that Jesus, when Jesus teaches in John 14, 12-18, He promises the coming of the Holy Spirit. And for time's sake, I'm not going to read all those Scriptures. But in John 14, He's talking about the coming of the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit will teach us all truth. The Holy Spirit is who illuminates the truth of God's Word to our mind. Helps us understand. He is the One that comes to comfort us and to be with us. And of course, Acts 1.8 talks about the power we receive when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. And you remember in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit arrives and, and, and Peter who had denied God and who had got scared. He received power from the Holy Spirit and become a mighty preacher and preached the Gospel. 3,000 saved for his first sermon. Man, I'm waiting on a 3,000 saved sermon. I hadn't had that yet. I'm hoping someday. Billy, that, that's Billy Graham kind of stuff, right? 3,000 saved in, in one sermon. But the power comes from the Holy Spirit. It wasn't Peter that did it. It ain't us that do things. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. And too many people today are afraid of the Holy Spirit. They're so afraid of wildfire breaking out. It's, it's like in a lot of our churches today. Folks, we're Pentecost. We're supposed to believe in the fullness of the Spirit. There's nothing wrong with the, with the Spirit moving among us. And a lot of people quench the Spirit because they remember some of the old days. And I've been in some of those services when I was a little boy and I, I, I wouldn't even call myself a Christian. I was, I, was, I was a little boy that was going to church, and I remember seeing the power of the Holy Spirit hit our churches. I remember seeing people get rid of addictions at the altar as the Holy Spirit ministered to them. I remember seeing people get set free from pain that was in their hearts because they allowed the Spirit to minister to them. It's not by our power. We can't do any of this on our own. The, the forgiveness that comes... Jesus didn't do anything until the Holy Spirit came upon Him. Jesus come to earth as a man. He, he did all that He did by the power of the Holy Spirit. Why would you and I think we could, we could do it without the power of the Holy Spirit? It's the Spirit that draws us to Jesus in the first place. It's the Spirit that, 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 that draws us into that. But we've got to walk with the Spirit and we've got to let the Holy Spirit be our true comforter and our guide and our teacher. And I'm going to be honest with you. When you get a house full of believers that are open to allowing the Holy Spirit to move, that's when you start seeing healings manifest. That's when you start seeing deliverances. I've seen people with short legs grow that leg the extra couple of inches they need. I've been in services and seen that stuff. I've seen services... Where where people are delivered from demonic influence. I've seen services where where, where a blind lady's eyes were opened. And it wasn't anything that we the people did other than be obedient to God and pray and let the Holy Spirit work, because it's not by my power, it's not by your power. Some of y'all have seen those kind of miracles. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You've seen the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not by our might or our power, but by the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. That's how things happen. And incidentally, when those things start happening, if you want to see your church grow, that's when the church starts growing. When, that, when the power of the Holy Spirit gets in the church and, and, the, and the few faithful believers that are left. See, Satan will come through a church and rip it apart with legalism and lies and bondage and, 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 and hard feelings and and people getting mad at each other and hurting and unforgiveness and, and they, they act like the little kid at the game and take their baseball or their marbles and go home and quit. That's exactly what the devil wants you to do. That's exactly what a lot of Christians have done. Because most of the time when that kind of stuff happens, they don't end up rechurch. Some of them may, but some of them just take that hurt and that pain with them to the new church and then they start having a negative influence on the church they go to. Real healing, real deliverance, real pain taken away from broken hearts only happens by the power of the Holy Spirit. If the church at large today, I'm not just talking to y'all because there's a lot of people going to listen to this on the podcast. If the church at large would let the Holy Spirit be in charge, y'all remember when I come the first day and preach here that I want to be in a church where the Holy Spirit runs the church. I don't want to be in a board-run church. I don't want to run a pastor-run church. I want to be in a Holy spirit ran church. Folks, if we would just let go of our inhibitions, if we would just dig in deeper, and I'm talking to the church at large that's listening to this on podcast later, if the church would dig in and let God be God and let the Holy Spirit move, we would see revival sweep across this land. But we've quenched the Spirit. We think we're too dignified. And I'm the first to admit that this particular denomination we called Assemblies of God years ago, they were somewhat legalistic like some of the other people. Some of y'all remember back in the days when you couldn't even go watch a movie. It was, it was a sin and you were going to hell if you went to the movie theater or the bowling alley. That may have been a little extreme, but some of them today's carrying a little bit too, too liberal the other way. There's a balance. God didn't say He don't want us out among the people. Jesus was among the people so He could win a few and save a few. We're supposed to be out ministering to a lost and hurt world. We're supposed to be that light, that beacon. We, I preached on that before. But we've got to be doing it under the power of the Holy Spirit, not under our intellect, not by our matter or power or our thinking, our human wisdom, but by the wisdom of God that comes through letting the Holy Spirit be the Holy Spirit and have control of your life, of your church, of every decision you make. Why do we do that? I I know why the Holy Spirit, because because the Assembly of God churches used to, we were the church down the street that everybody else made fun of. We were called Holy Rollers and things like that. Y'all remember that. Some of y'all do. Well... You know, a lot of them people, just because we've got more dignified, many of the churches have put the Holy Spirit in the closet and someone starts speaking in tongues in church or whatever. They, I've seen them. I've heard of a church in Jackson that will carry them into another room. Don't do that in public. Don't, or or a demons trying to manifest. Instead of letting the faithful few gather and pray and get that thing off that person's life and out of that person's
1: They'll, they'll, they'll try to drag the person
0: out of the church instead of letting them get to the help.
1: We're a hospital for the lost and the hurting and the sick and the needy. We're supposed
0: to be. But you know how we do it? We don't do it by our mind or our power, like Zechariah 4 says. We do it by the power of the Holy Spirit. But we've got to have our lives in check. We've, we've got to reach those points, those three points I talked about this morning. We've got to be walking in God's blessings. We've got to be walking in victory. Because the Holy Spirit can't work through a dirty vessel. We've got to to start minding that gap. Like they tell you to do when you ride that subway. There's a big gap in this world. Not only of lost sinners, but there's gaps in Christians' lives of walking in true victory. We need to not only help close the gaps of getting the, the lost found, we need to close the gaps in our own life so that we can have power, so the Holy Spirit's power can flow through us because the Holy Spirit's not going to flow through a sin, a, a person that's tainted by sin.
1: It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. How many want to see the power of the Holy Spirit poured out in this church?
0: How many want to see the Spirit moving again like you used to see when people were getting their victories? Now, sometimes, to our human understanding when the Spirit moves, we don't understand what we're seeing. Sometimes when the Spirit moves, the Spirit hits somebody, they may start dancing. They may start running. Because when the Holy Spirit hits you, sometimes in your mere uh, finite existence as a human being, the Holy Spirit is so powerful, your body reacts sometimes crazy ways. Anybody remember seeing those people take off running in church? Those people that take off dancing? I've seen more people more people at the altar danced their way to victory as the Holy Spirit come upon them, and they were obedient. They danced their way to victory. You ever see someone laughing in the Spirit? Usually, when that happens, oh man, I, f- I feel the anointing. When that happens, you know what causes that? There, it's usually people that get to laughing in the Spirit. Their joy has been stolen by the enemy, and they're getting their joy back. You see, people—they're getting a breakthrough. And the, the Holy Spirit is all over them, and they're getting that inner healing they need, and, the, and, the, and their joy's coming back, and their, and their peace of God's coming back that they've let the enemy steal from them. And then when they have the altar call, and as they're having the altar call, and people are getting their victory, one of the favorite songs they used to sing was I Went to the Enemy's Camp and Took Back What the Enemy Took From to Me. Now, I'm not a singer, y'all ain't paying me to sing. Y'all get the idea. We have, if we want to close the gap between the whosoever of, of John 3.16 and the whosoever, we've got to get about God's business. We've got to be digging in deeper and seeking the Holy Spirit and letting Him rule and reign in our lives and mature us so we're walking in victory. Amen. Is that a good word this morning? Give God a hand clap of praise. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank You for this good Word that You gave us this morning. Lord, we thank You for the power that You give us by allowing Your Holy Spirit to have freedom in our homes, in our lives, in our churches. Oh, Father God, we're so thankful. We're so thankful for that gap closer. Jesus Christ that closes that gap and bridges the way for lost man to be reunited to You due to the work on the cross that Jesus did with His precious blood that we sang about this morning, that victory that we have in Jesus through that blood that cleanses us from all sins and all unrighteousness. Lord, we thank You for that. Oh, Father, we thank You that You still give us messages that tell us how to do it. Lord, that we need to close those gaps. We need to be the church. We need to be about God's business. Oh, Father God, help each and every one of us today to be stronger in our walks with You. Lord, help us and by the power of Your Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts and tell us those things that may be causing gaps in our walk with You. Gaps in our our victorious living. If there's a gap there, we're 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 doing something wrong or we're not doing something we should. Father God, make it clear. I believe that, that You give messages to Your Preachers and Sunday school teachers and and Bible teachers and pastors and youth pastors. You give the word to share and you lay it upon our hearts. Lord, I believe this was a God-given word this morning on things that we all need to look at. I believe both the people here in this church and the people that will listen to this message on podcast need to get a little more serious with you about closing that gap. Especially as we see your coming so close as we see the end being so near. Oh, Father, we thank You for Your Word. Lord, we thank You for the promises. We thank You for the promises and the prophetic Word that tells us what happens if we do, what happens if we don't. Your Word is true. Your Word is complete. Father, we thank You that You bring to our minds that there are gaps we need to work on for kingdom building's sake and for discipleship among our own people. Lord, help us to be more hungry for Your Word. Lord, I pray upon every person that's in this room today, hearing my voice, that they develop an intense hunger for Your Word, and more than that, that they develop an intense desire for Your presence through the Holy Spirit to overtake this place and begin to move in mighty ways in this church service. Father God, as we grow closer to You, as we dig in deeper to Your Word, as we seek Your face more, Father, we desire Your presence to show up in a mighty way. Father God, we want to see souls saved. We want to see the whosoever of John 3.16 begin to increase. Lord, we want to see a decrease in the revelation whosoever that's condemned. Lord, we want to see an increase in, in, the, in the whosoever's closing the gap, the Christian people closing those gaps in their life where they're not living in full victory. Lord, we want, to, we want to see victory in their lives. We want to see people learn to follow Your Word. We want to see people grow in their Christian walks where their, where their growth grows so that they're able to reach back and pull more people out of the revelation gap that are going to be eternally condemned by sharing the good news of Jesus Christ according to the Gospel. Oh Father, I just pray that You raise up people in this church and in Your church abroad, people that are listening to this on podcast right now. I'm speaking to You as well. Let God be God in Your life. Let the Holy Spirit dictate Your actions. Let the Holy Spirit draw You into all truth. Let the Holy Spirit begin to use you and let the gifts of the Spirit begin to manifest in you. It's not something to be scared of. We have nothing to fear. As long as we're the whosoever of John 3.16, we don't have to fear anything that's written in the book of Revelation. We don't have to fear being that whosoever thrown in the fire. We just need to walk in this thing and grow with you. And Father, we know it's by Your Spirit that we do it. Not by might, not by power, but by your Spirit. Lord, I pray that you begin to pour your Spirit out in this church. Begin to manifest your Spirit among your people. Lord, we want to see lives changed. Lord, people that aren't saved, we want to see them saved. Father God, those that are saved, we want to see them grow and, and live in victory. and Father God, those that are seeking a closer walk with you and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we want to see You pouring Your Spirit out. Your Word says in the last days, You will pour Your Spirit out on all people. But we also know, Lord, that Your Holy Spirit's a gentleman. And the Holy Spirit don't force itself into the churches. He don't force Himself upon people's lives. But He's a gentleman. Lord, we just pray Your Spirit feels welcome in this place. Continue to give us the words that we need to grow in You. Continue to give us the words we need to to address the things in our lives that need to be addressed. Father God, we we don't seek to hurt anybody's feelings. But Lord, we will speak the truth of Your Word and share the truth of Your Word because we want to see the whosoever of Revelation decrease and the whosoever of John 3.16 increase. Lord, we want to see people under the power of the Holy Spirit Spirit walking in victory. Lord, I pray victory, blessings, and strength upon all the people that sit within my earshot right now. Lord, I pray that You make Yourself more real to them. Lord, that You make Yourself so real to them that You're the first person they turn to when trouble comes, when, when the enemy comes in like a flood and begins to to give bad reports, begins to try to twist your word, begins to try to have people doubt what your word says. Father God, I pray that your spirit, the spirit of truth, begins to shine through in their lives and overpower that darkness that's trying to come against them. Lord, I want to see a church full of victory-living people. Lord, I want to see the churches around us living in victory. Father God, we're more concerned about kingdom building than we are about building a religious empire. We don't want to be like the Pharisees and the hypocrites of the day. Lord, we want to see your church built up for your kingdom's
1: sake. Before I close this prayer, before I close this service,